What is up, Podheads? Back with another episode of the Podio Slate Podcast. My name is Tony. I am joined, pretty much as always, by Anthony. And I know how you're doing. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing. I'm doing phenomenal. I'm going to just tell you right out the gate. Tonight was fucking a blast, per usual. We, we got another great conversation on the books with uh, repeat guest Benny Horowitz of the Gaslight Anthem. I'm doing great, and we are recording on a Monday night. Mondays typically suck. Today didn't. Well, tonight didn't. Tonight me, didn't. Tonight was <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, we, uh, we've had a few repeat guests, but we save them for, like, the cream of the crop. And I was going to say, like, we don't, we don't save any duds for repeat guests, but we haven't had any duds anyway. Like, we, honestly, we would probably have everyone back that we've had on. There is nobody in the back catalog I wouldn't talk to again. We've had a blast with just about everybody. To varying degrees, obviously, we've had some people that we've been able to talk to for an hour and a half, like we did tonight, and some people we've been on a time constraint, but all of them have been phenomenal. Like, I, we, I don't say this because I want you to go back and check them out. Please do, but I have had such a blast doing this for 200 plus episodes because we get to talk to cool people like this, and, and I would do every, every person back there I would talk to again. And this is a special one. Like, and we, we tell Benny this near the end of the episode, like, We've had a ton of guests on, but I think when we had Benny on the first time, I honestly, I think it was when we hit our stride as like interviewers and, you know, having conversations and honestly shifting it to conversations versus here's a question, answer it. Here's a question, answer it. Absolutely. Yeah, that that yeah. takes time. And like we we're self-taught with all of this recording, setting up microphones, editing it, making it sound as good as we can. Like we didn't know how to do any of this shit when we started. And we've just hopefully over time gotten better and better and better at it. And that includes talking with people, you know, that we've never talked to before. And it's easier the second time around for sure. But it's still a little daunting to when the drummer of the Gaslight Anthem says, yeah, I'll talk to you guys again. Like, that's, yeah, like, oh, absolutely. Cool. Butterflies in the stomach. Let's do this. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. And he, I remember leaving that conversation like, man, that was really fun. And he was a natural behind the mic, which makes sense because he's got his own podcast. He's got going off track. He's got. Uh, the tune-up, right? And he's got uh, a couple mediums where, like, that is, he's not Benny from the Gaslight Anthem. He is an interviewer of, you know, interviewing musicians or talking about music. Or sports. Or sports. There you go. And, and I loved that convo. And a lot's happened. Like, that was two years ago. It was episode 99. Go back. I don't know. You can pause this episode, go back, listen to it, or listen to that episode after. We had such a good time. And mm -hmm. a lot's happened. Like, at that point in time, Gaslight was not active. Right. At all. And he didn't know that they were going to be. Or if he did, he wasn't telling anybody. Because, you know, he, he mentions maybe in the fall, but that was, I think, more around making the record. And that was seven months after we talked to him, eight months after we talked to him. So, yeah, he, he didn't know. And we, we all kind of assumed in that first conversation that they were just going to lay dormant. And they yeah, aren't. They were done. They're back. Yeah. They put out a record last year that we both love. A lot of people love. And we get to see him live. Anthony, you twice, me once. And uh, shit, man. It was just awesome to, to have him back and talk about all the things that have happened with Gaslight between, you know, January, February of 2022 to today. And Benny's so versatile. Like, he's easy to talk to with music, with sports. And I don't know. It's cool to hear his perspective because he's us just just from a different region. I mean, he's yeah. a musician too, but yeah. he, as a sports fan, he's us just from a different region. Well, we answered the question that we've joked about for almost four years now. Could we do an hour on sports? And 
the answer is resu- <laughs> yeah. a resounding yes. Like we, yes, we we had no trouble talking sports for thirty plus minutes, probably, and then interspersed throughout after. Like it it was part, it colors who we are as as uh, as people too. Like full disclosure, I have the national championship of Michigan going on right now to my right because I love sports just as much as I love music. I just happen to talk about music every week, so. Uh, yeah, we we could do that too. Uh, maybe down the line, maybe maybe as a April Fool's episode, you get us talking about sports for an hour. But hey, if you are a Gaslight fan, you're in for a treat because there's a lot of behind the scenes looks right now from Benny about how they got back together and you know creating the the history books album and going on tour. And uh, hey, we're here for all of it plus the sports. So if you're into it, tune in for the next hour and a half. You're in for a treat. Yeah, you're absolutely in for a treat. Uh, the first half is going to be NBA and sports heavy, and the, the back two-thirds is going to be music and all the stuff surrounding Gaslight and Benny playing Portland last spring. And yeah, we, we had a lot of fun talking to Benny. Here it is. Halberton's something else right now, man. He's He's been crushing it. I got to say, now that we're, according to On the Record, in the <laughs> fantasy draft for Jeff Rosenstock's league, I was shamed by Mike Park <laughs> of Asian Man Records. Asian Man Records, yeah. For drafting Halliburton seven. Oh no. Ooh. He went, whoa, that's a reach. I'm like, nope. I don't think so, pal. <laughs> so on the rec on the record, I'd like to say <laughs> Mike Park was grumpy about my Halliburton pick. Well, where and is he in total points in the league? He's in- below me. Let's say that. I am, well no, Halliburton, yeah. as far as oh, uh, individual. Oh, I'm not sure I'd imagine he's top three, but in the leagues, some of the leagues I'm in, I have I have him in one league that counts assists oh, and nice. assists to turnover ratio. So I mean, that's a two and zero <laughs> on a Halliburton swing right yeah, there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Hey, on on the record, you fucking nailed that pick. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I don't know. You know, I this is every year. I, I I'm like shit. I should get on fucking DraftKings or something. You know? Right? <laughs> like yep. I gotta start making money doing this. I can't. This is it feeds that itch. I know exactly. <laughs> it's legal in Jersey, right? It is. No, it's too easy. I see these uh, ads these days for. I heard one the other day recently that was like, "You knew he was gonna score, didn't you? And, <laughs> oh, you, no. didn't, and you didn't do anything about it. You know, <laughs> it's like." And you know, I don't know. I've had some run-ins with gambling in my day. Yeah. I've never mm-hmm. gotten like super in trouble but close enough and i can see where it happens and i'm like this is this is like <laughs> waving a dime bag in front of in front of a druggie it's it's pretty nasty stuff i don't it's, it's ruining a lot of lives i can imagine but it's a pretty funny story about that is going into this season you know i had a bit of a hunch where i'm like i do not let myself get on DraftKings and stuff like that because I can't let that get out of control. I'd get too obsessive, you know? But I saw this one line, and I'm like, shit, this Scoot Henderson Rookie of the Year odds. <laughs> before, <laughs> before, you know, this was when Dame Lillard was still on the team. And I'm like, you got to get this in now before Dame's traded and, mm-hmm. and the odds, you know, extend out. And I call a couple people. I hit up my brother. And I'm like, yo, get this bet in for me because I know he has an account. <laughs> And he goes, I hit the breaking case of emergency switch like two days ago. I guess there's like a red button on DraftKings where you can be like, fuck, I'm in trouble. And it just blocks you for like a year. 
Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and my brother's like, yo, I just hit the switch. I can't put the bed in for you. Wow. <laughs> and good I thing hit you hit switch. the switch because, because yeah. I don't know, Scoot's probably down fourth, fifth, sixth rookie of the year right yeah, he'll, now. So. He's got some, yeah. some work to do if he's going to get back to that yeah. paying out anything. Yeah, I'm glad my brother hit the switch on that one. I didn't realize there was a switch. I'm glad that, yeah, glad that there it is. is one. It is good. I'm glad there is one because that, that's just, you know, when your your rush of conscience comes over you and you're just like, oh, fuck this red button. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> right, know? right. It was just uh, legal in Maine. They just yeah. legalized it like this summer or no, a few months ago. It last, didn't hit last till, summer. Yeah, before, like, sometime during the football season. How's it going? People just going wild? Well, I downloaded the Caesars app and okay. my story about how they entice you is every time you place a bet it's like great bet emperor and I'm, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like don't encourage me too much yeah oh so they're making it like um you know the way like app video games like give you like rewards yeah. and like no, probably. Ears oh, yeah, and, yeah. Yep. oh man they're so much smarter than us that's why you Vegas know knows. Vegas they know our knows. brains they know mm -hmm. just how to make us peck at the feeder like little fucking gerbils that's why if you don't want to do it you just gotta not allow yourself to have it don't imagine that you can control it once you have it you know well yeah, i deleted it, it. it's yeah. already deleted just, yeah. you did uh, the right thing you did the right thing <laughs> yeah i hit one of my bonus bets to start and i'm still playing with that money when that's gone i'm like that's it man you can start again at the beginning of the nfl season nothing before so, that's what you say that's what you uh, say right. so you see some tasty so and then March Madness comes. You're and listening then you're to fucked. a podcast that's getting paid by DraftKings to talk about lines for 15 minutes. <laughs> They're everywhere. It's 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 done. We're done. We should, we should hit them up. Actually, this 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 would fit. <laughs> I just said that name about nine times. I should. We should get paid. <laughs> we should. Uh, we'll we'll submit it. We'll submit it to DraftKings right, with yeah. a bill. <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by DraftKings. Yep. Yeah. Sportsbook, baby. Yeah, wow. Give me a commish. And do you have any questions for us? Any new questions for us? You do, Benny. Come on. You've been waiting two years for this moment. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I'm always excited to be able to, to talk hoops and Celtics yeah. with somebody, you know? <laughs> like, because, you know, you don't often get a chance as a, you know, even a novice fan, you know, like if I want to talk about Celtics, I got to talk about Tatum or something. But, you know, I know you guys, I can bring up like, you know, a Peyton Pritchard reference yes. and we can get into it. You <laughs> know? Yeah. To, to get back on that gambling tip, I, in the second night of a back-to-back, -back, Peyton Pritchard over threes, just hit that. It's going to oh. it's gonna pay you every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't gamble. Coming yeah, from the I don't gamble. Is, there it is. Brought <laughs> yeah. to you by DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, we, we, could, we could go Celtics. Uh, they're having a hell of a year, man. I'm, I'm really loving that shit right no, now. No, they're pretty terrifying. I'd say... I'd say at this point, watching what we're almost halfway halfway through the season, right? I mean, yeah, getting there. That top six of the Celtics, like the top six players, when they're rotating and they're healthy, I mean, it's a tough team to beat, you know. Especially when you're watching, like, you know, the slip up to Milwaukee, like, you know, it just hasn't clicked yet. But then, I mean, I don't know. So who's who's the team that scares you the most? Like I'd say Boston's in, in a little bit of a tier by itself right now, but who's, who scares you the most in the East? Well, who's the surprise team out West? So my, I was driving with my dad and he's like, what about who, who's uh, Oklahoma in Oklahoma city? Yeah. No, yeah. Well, who's, who's in first in the West? 
I think it's Minnesota right now. Minnesota. And I'm like, yeah. Minnesota doesn't scare me. They have a good record. I mean, I get it with Ant and, you know, Cat, but beyond that, man, Jamie I don't know. But, but those are the teams I wonder with Boston because I'm like, and that's why I bring up who scares you the most because the only person I'm imagining, I'm like, still, what are, what are the Celtics going to do with Embiid? Right. Who's well, like yeah. baby They're going to watch him score. <laughs> he's yeah. like baby Shaq this year and could just, you know, really like, you know, put his imprint on, on any game he feels like it. But I guess that's a, a problem the entire league is going to have to uh, deal with come playoff time. So they, the Sixers have never scared me, and this is the year they do because they still probably have a move to make. And they're really, like like you said, Embiid is on another level this year, and he won the MVP last year. Like, he's been that much better. And Maxi has gotten better, and that's a guy yeah. that, that the, the Celtics have struggled with. No, they, and they play better defense. Nick Nurse is a good coach. Like, yeah, great coach. And what's that stat I just heard? Embiid is the uh, first player uh, since Will Chamberlain to average more points than minutes in his wow. season. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. That's he's crazy. On, and the, he's just on, on it's one of those guys now. You just like, you see him work. And I, I don't know. I love a big like this where, you know, Shaquille O'Neal style, where it's just like when this person's clicking and they get in the right spot, like, I don't know. Good luck. There's nothing you can do about it. He's no. going to score. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's he can been hit healthy free throws. Too. He's been yeah. healthy. That's the scary thing. And he's, and he's on that mission, you know? I felt like he was on the MVP mission last year, and he actually did it, you know? Um, they shed the hardened curse. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, like, everyone's like, oh, and be, you know, the guy's still really fucking young in the great scheme of things when rings come and, I think that dude's on a mission. I'm a little scared of Philly right now. Philly's a good one. And I mean, you can never count the heat out even when you never. want to. No. So they're well coached and they're better than they were last they're year right good. now. So Knicks are on a heater now yep. after the big trade. The, the Knicks don't scare me, but the Knicks what, have never scared me. As no. it sounds what, like, so. what about the Magic? They've been, they had a little run there, right? I, I think the Magic are good for sure, but that, that's not like, to me, that's not They're a not complete contenders. team, like, ready to make a run. Like, make the playoffs for sure. It might get a, like, series or two, but I don't see him taking out one of the big dogs. You're not doing that with that backcourt yet, you know? Yeah, a little, little young, too, right? They've never been there. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, they'll get there. They'll get there. They will. Ben Carroll's good, and yeah, you're, mm -hmm. you're right. Minnesota's tough. They scare me. That game that the Celtics lost out there in overtime, they should have won. Joe would just call a timeout every now and then. Down the stretch, that'd be nice. Yeah, but they uh, oh, yeah. they're they're good, and uh, Denver Denver until somebody knocks them off is damn good, and they've got the best player in the world. So Lakers don't scare me, but what the in season tournament they didn't <laughs> didn't do it for you? The asterisk ring, hey, they don't they... scare me. The I'm the Bucks same age as LeBron, me. man. It, everything hurts. I don't know how he <laughs> keeps doing it. Oh my god! Yeah. Hey, what if he what if he's only like really like 35? He's like uh you know one of those. Baseball, the, I think, the, oh, oh the like the, World the pitchers in the Little League <laughs> yeah. World Series. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's like, well, I guess like we've seen it already now, right? It's like the, not in basketball, but Brady, like, kind of maybe reset the bar as far as like what we expect at a certain age. It seems like LeBron has a similar discipline to him as far as like, you know, his routines and what he does. I think you're right. I don't know. This might be the new you know, the new world too, that we got to actually expect our stars to be like 
well Steph and KD. Thirties. Yeah. yeah. Steph and KD. I. I mean, I. That's right. I'm a stat nerd. I look at box scores every night and I oh, yeah. pull them up and I'm like, thirty-five. I couldn't even bowl when I was thirty-five. I couldn't <laughs> even play cornhole when I was thirty-five. That's what I'm saying. A guy like KD. I mean, he's seven feet tall. Like, why in three years can he not? still be getting 25 minutes and going back to the basket and like doing all sorts of other stuff, you know? Well, and he can shoot. So yeah. he's your stretch just five. Leave him out Whoever. there. Yeah, yep. exactly. That yep. guy will have a career forever, man. Mm-hmm. He'll be that Sam Perkins on the, the Sonics hitting three <laughs> in the finals. Yeah. He could break the all-time scoring record, Durant. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, this this new era of NBA where no one plays defense. So you, you're only... It's like you only have to work for the first four hours of the day, and you can take the afternoon <laughs> I'd like to give a caveat to the NBA players, though, in that regard, because if we're going to compare eras and stuff and say these guys don't play defense, they're not allowed to play defense. Yeah, it's like, different. Like, it's you know, a different era. They're not allowed to touch the guys. So, you know, you have to rely on this, like, team model of letting people get by you and letting the next layer, like, go and... You know, so I, I do try to give these guys like some credit. This like hard nosed one on one, just get fouls called on you almost every time if you do that stuff. You know, these well, days. Gary, just look at Gary Payton, right? I mean, that's right. He was the glove for a reason. He was on top of you, and he was damn good at it. But those those were the rules. So you, you put him in a game now, he'd foul out in about he'd three be and a half minutes. Jackson. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be <laughs> gone in the second quarter. Yep. Well, yeah. I saw I saw a list. I think it was on TikTok of the best point guards of all time. And this guy had Bob Cousy on the list. I and it's like Bob. Okay. Bob Cousy couldn't even sniff the practice squad. Now, you can't compare eras. Yeah, you just can't do it. You can't do it. But I do think there's some truth to like how dominant you were at that time and how much you advanced the game. And that's where you're even seeing it now. You know, I'm 43, so I was raised like fully in the Jordan era, you know, um, I, you know, I watched him lose. Like I, I even as a kid, you know, I remember like Celtics Lakers and, and the the great Pistons teams in the late eighties and stuff like that. And all the way to Jordan and then watched him, you know, essentially go like be the king of the world for eight years while playing baseball for two of them and then going six and zero oh in, in basketball at the same time. And you hear like an 18, 19, 20 year old talk. They're starting to talk about Jordan. Now the way we talked about fucking Bob Cousy and Pete oh, Maravich. I hope not. I hope they, not. <laughs> they are. Trust me. You know, I don't, I won't bring myself to Reddit often, but when I need to, uh, the, <laughs> I'm exposed to some horrible things when I need to illegally stream basketball games. Fair, yep. <laughs> if you don't turn those little chat rooms off and illegally stream basketball games, holy shit. I always wondered where all the the stuff in the world was hiding. It's hiding there in the in the message rooms of illegally stream basketball allegedly. games. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> no, it's you're right. That Reddit's a whole different story uh, altogether. Uh, we've had our Scary run-ins. Place. We've had our run-ins there too. Yeah, you're right. They are starting to talk about Jordan because they didn't see it. So and that's right. The era he played in, you had guys like Gary Payton trying to lock him up. Different world. He played today and wasn't gambling in all hours of the night and smoking stogies. That guy probably does what LeBron does. Yeah, and then some. But I mean, they're watching like you know uh, videos of like Danny Ainge like trying to cover Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
and they're just like you know who'd be covering him now is some like six foot nine uber athletic wing who can shoot threes and do all this shit like you know that's where even michael jordan never saw dorian finney smith you know what i mean or like just this model of guy like you know maybe you know a bad example but um alex caruso yeah just this positionless stuff so it's like you know it, it like you said it's so hard to compare now you have seven foot five guys like running the point so that's true oh man yeah it's a different it's a different world i it would is. like to see it because he was I, we grew up in the same era i mean he was appointment television in the 90s watching the, those bulls teams even if i was oh, a Celtics. Yeah. Like I was yeah. a Jordan fan. I was rooting for him because it was fun and to even, watch him. Even now, him. even now I have still like, I still have a rooting interest in the bulls kind of. And I think a lot of people do, you know, when you have a guy like that and a run like that, I think the warriors kind of just pulled this off too. Cause you see a lot of sort of cursory warriors fans. Like it's the reason why I go to giant stadium and watch them play like Cowboys or the dolphins or the Steelers. Like any team that had a great run through a certain decade just picks up these like ancillary fans, you know? And I don't know, you probably should. The older I get, I'm like, it's just root for people who win. Yeah, and celebrate fair. greatness a little bit, you know? Like it's hey, fun. why do you think why do you think I'm a Rockets fan from the nineties? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Took two years off and you got a couple. Those teams are pretty good. Those teams ah, are pretty they were good. They're great. Yeah. Was it Nick Anderson that missed the free throws? That was earlier, wasn't it? I think that was 90, the 94. Was it? Or 93, uh, 90, what we're talking like, 30 fucking I know, years. yeah, now we're, know. we're really off the rails right now, yeah. but I, I yeah, kind of love it. What's the demographic of your podcast? Is, does, it, does it run younger they'll than click this? On it, they'll click on it because you're here. Yeah, <laughs> Which... you, better, you better bring up somebody young soon. <laughs> so, Benny, we... Uh... I don't know if you know this, it's been two years since you were on, like almost to the day. Like I, I looked at oh, when, really? we, when we released the last episode, it's almost two years and a lot's changed, obviously. Like, yeah, Kyrie's not on the Nets anymore. No, AD's not on the Nets. In the no. last episode, we talked about Paul Millsap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which not I haven't heard in the that league. Yeah, since I don't think we he's chatted. In, I don't think he's in the league. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably playing for the Beijing something or other at this point. No, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, Brave new world for the Nets. You know, I think there's a real kind of ho-hum sort of attitude about the team currently with Nets and Nets fans. Like, it's it's a little bit like uh, you can see this team going to that place that's like the NBA purgatory, which is you don't have enough of your own picks. Yeah. The picks you have are from really good teams. You know, they're all going to be coming from... Uh, Houston and Phoenix and Philadelphia over the next few years. And there's no one on that team. You're like, yeah, that's the guy to build around. You know, I love bridges. I do. And I, and I wish I didn't have to say it, but I, I don't see that as being like a franchise building block, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can't just give that guy the ball for, for 40 minutes a game and expect like certain things. It's just, you know, you put him next to certain players and that's where I think, you know, he's really going to shine. Claxton's nice, but he's not good enough to be that. Cam Johnson's nice, but not good enough to be that. So I, I think, you know, with them slipping in the standings right now and, you know, obviously I see the East and, you know, we're Boston and then 
Milwaukee and Philly are kind of up in that top tier. And then you have, like we said, Miami and the Knicks and the Pacers, bunch of good teams there, you know, and then your younger teams coming up like Orlando is quite good. And so the Nets, you know, they're a playing team at best. So I think, you know, really, I think it would be advantageous to uh, start start moving some pieces around. I think you start dangling Finney Smith. I think you start dangling Royce O'Neal, guys who you could just slip into a contending team and maybe get draft capital or, you know. Um, a Smith, maybe, like a three-for-one yeah, type of thing. Sure, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And I think you start doing that and start opening up minutes for for some different players and getting looks and, and, and building it for next year. Um, sadly, I mean, you know, there are picks coming in next year's draft and next year's drafts looking a little thin. And then the year after when, you know, the Cooper flag and all the big boys seem to be coming in is uh, I don't think the nets have any picks. So they really would. I'd like to see some of that like pre big three, Sean Marks wheeling and dealing of, you know, reclaiming players like a Joe Harris, like Dinwiddie, like he saved these players and mm-hmm. kind of re-sparked their NBA careers. And uh, I think there's a couple guys on the roster he's sort of doing that with Dennis Smith Jr. being one of them. You know, I think you're seeing a lot of added value with like Trenton Watfords and Dayron Sharps and guys like this where start packaging some stuff together, I think you could really get some decent stuff back and that would probably be the best, best move. Now I don't see why staying the course makes, makes any sense for the nets right now. No, right. There's too many good teams in the East. And if you can send a couple guys together off somewhere to turn into draft capital or something along those lines, you'd be, you'd be better off down the line. Yeah. So that for a little while. Had to. That's right. And I think, you know, considering the position they were in, they got a lot of really great stuff back. For, for people who not only uh, their draft value is maybe at its lowest, there were people who were demanding to leave and, and literally hand-picking the team they wanted to go to. and So the Nets' options for wheeling and dealing weren't great. And that not at all. Phoenix trade in the end was a, you know, a coup in a lot of ways um, with how much they wound up getting back. So I think they, were, they did good in panic mode. But all you could do in panic mode was collect pieces, you know, and now you're seeing the pieces play out and it's not the right kind of team, right. but they've yeah. got pieces, which was smart. So now I think it's time to, to play with those, play with those pieces. Well, you mentioned, mentioned Cooper flag. He's from our home state. Oh Anthony, yeah. He's a, he's a main boy. Yeah. yeah Anthony just saw him play. Yeah. You just saw oh, him no shit. How, how's it, how's the eye test? So uh, he's the real deal. But you start to question, is he only good because of the competition he plays for? Like, the, the team he played against was uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga High School. Okay. And it's like, are these guys good or not? I, I don't know. But he dominated. I mean, he, yeah. he had like eight blocks, and they were like LeBron style, like slow play, wait in the back, and just like, get that shit out of here. Yeah, yeah. But he's, he's thin. He's like really thin. He, I think he's going to fill out. I mean, he's only what, 19, 18, 19. I mean, it makes sense. I think, but... I think he's 18, yeah. 18. 18 or 18, yeah. Yeah, and he's, is he just huge? What is he, 6'9? Six, six... He's long. Yeah. My yeah, yeah. God, he, he's long. Like, the proof will be in the pudding with Duke. Yeah. If he can hang there, then I think he's, he's a thoroughbred. Like, he's meant for the long play. But, like, 
I don't know. My dad, who knows basketball, was like, he's got everything. Athleticism, IQ, the body. And I'm like, I see it, but I'm a little skeptical. Mostly because he's from Maine. Like, we've never We don't had... have those people. Yeah. You know it's great, though? Is And you should start coining them. You guys would be smart to start, like, trademarking some great nicknames for him now. Like, <laughs> well, like in flag Maine... we trust is his tagline. In flag, in flag we, trust. we trust. That's good. <laughs> What's like, what's the townies from like, or the county or something like, what's a nice, like inside reference you could do. So it's from Newport. It's up by Bangor, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably between, between Augusta, Augusta and Bangor. And Bangor yeah. 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 I'd have to look at the nuke. The, yeah. You know, that's, that would work. The nukes yeah. aren't, nukes aren't cool these days. No, but raising the flag.com. I'm, 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 going, on, I'm going on GoDaddy. By double all the, G. Uh... Flag double G. <laughs> By all the misspellings too, so you can't buy. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, <laughs> got to get on it. Well, that's pretty unique. I mean, have there ever been? Has there been an NBA player from Maine before? Who was the dude on the Spurs? Who? No, no. Uh, Duncan Robinson was. I think born, he was born in Maine. Born in Maine. Okay. Yeah, he, he's from New Hampshire, but he's born. He, he was born in York, Maine. Then you got Maine Central Institute, but no one really born here. Everyone there's like private schools, like Sam Casal and yeah. Oh, uh, okay. And we've had some good, a um, couple of kids that have gone on to play D1 basketball pretty big. Uh, Ralph Mims played at Florida State, and they were, he played, like, was, was a, yeah, hell, of a football, yeah. hell of a football and basketball player in Maine. Won a state championship in both, I think. And then went, uh, went down to Florida State and played some hoops. So we do have it happen. It just doesn't happen very often. And not like Flag, where he's going to be. You know, he's the top recruit. He's going to Duke. Like, that's never, yeah, that's never happened. We, we did go to high school with a guy who went to Notre Dame. He's a senior when we were freshmen. And I remember Matt Doherty being in the building watching him play as a freshman oh, wow. in high school. I'm like, I know that guy. And then he ended up at Carolina, obviously. But it doesn't happen a lot. That was a claim to fame for me as well. I <laughs> randomly got into a physical altercation playing lacrosse in like sixth or seventh grade with a guy who wound up playing defensive end at Notre Dame. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Kind of proud that's of that. A, you know, yeah. In the end. That's your biggest claim to fame. <laughs> Bud and Zach. Bud and Zach. Kyle Bud and Zach. Guy Bud and Zach. There's two of them. There's two Bud and Zachs. Pretty nice guys, actually, like, you know, in the end. But so I actually had a, a, a real nice time in Portland, Maine. Last time I was there, we, um, we did too. We were there. What a city! I you almost know, hit you up, Benny. I almost hit you up. I, I had. We did after. We did after the show. I had a little time uh, the day prior, and you know we ended up getting a bite to eat and uh, doing some walking. We ended up finding that kind of uh, that ridge, the overlook. You know, the really nice like. A very old cemetery we walked through, like trailing back through town. Yes, um, yep. East up these, on the east. Yeah, East-Prom. these really East like end. beautiful, yeah. like Victorian houses overlooking the the entire city. Oh, um, yeah. and you know, it was one of those walks, one of those nights. I mean, you know, people were throwing around some J bones, and it was you know a nice vibe like that. But um, and then the following day, I walked around and found the little comic book shop called like strange Maine and oh yeah yeah like, yeah like little places like that, I love that place i definitely you know it's a funny thing about traveling is that you know if you wind up in a town once and it just happens to be like cold and rainy you know like forever the rest of your life you're like 
oh louisville that place is a fucking piece of shit <laughs> yeah. you know or if like or if you just are somewhere and just like you had a bad meal you know like yo dude fuck like fuck dallas like whatever but then on the ancillary if it's just like a beautiful day and you have like a real good conversation with someone or something you're like oh what a great place and that's kind of what happened to me because i think i ha i did i not stumble upon portland on like the most unseasonably warm days it was of, warm yeah, yeah. For, so and, like, and may may can be hit or miss and yeah i'm walking are, around in you know light light gear you know in maine you know looking around and i'm like well this might have something to do with it but you know what i do like too i love walking around cities up there and finding statues about the civil war you know talking about the good side yeah right there's not that's not <laughs> In the news is often. <laughs> you get the good ones up in Maine. There you go. These ones fought for the good one. Good. Thanks, Maine. Good looking out, you know? Well, last time you were Union on, Army, what's up? <laughs> you asked about the pizza. Did you uh, check out the pizza in Portland? I didn't. I know. I think the night we were there, we had a... Um, it was, there was a birthday going on in our crew. And we did, like, the fancy, like, hotel rooftop restaurant -y bar kind of place so i don't think i ate like portland food i know some people went to that that cool diner down by the uh water uh the next Becky's. day yeah Becky's. Becky's. yeah there's some bumper stickers kicking around from Becky's oh yeah, yeah. the rest of the tour yeah <laughs> nothing's fine <laughs> but that's what sucks for me is like i'm i'm a wimp i don't eat fish you know, so I go to a town like Portland and it's like, oh, what's your vegetarian fare? Like, I know I'm supposed to be there eating fucking chowders and slamming lobsters and what you guys do. So I know I'm missing out on the good shit when I'm there. Well, it sounds like you got some of the good shit that Portland has to offer, especially that time of year. I mean, to be out and, you know, it's warm out, May can be hit or miss. Some days are amazing. It's 75 and sunny. Some days are it's 40 and rainy and you're like, you're shit, is this ever going to end? Yeah. Yeah. So you got a good day, which is which is nice. Let me ask you this. I just saw an article about uh, tourism up in Minnesota. That there was like one person who was um, a uh, dog sled operator and another person who does like uh, snowmobile trips like through this one pass and stuff. And it just hasn't snowed. So like their businesses wow. are fucked. Do you know people who have like seasonal like winter businesses like that like well the skiing industry but i mean they can manufacture snow i know like snowplow guys if it doesn't oh, snow they're, yeah they're, out. they're yeah. fucked right yeah they're, we just got hit pretty good yeah. we did finally yeah we got we got close to a foot here oh uh, yeah yeah we were we were right on the borderlands of that storm so we got a decent amount of snow for a few hours that quickly turned to rain so I didn't even I didn't even sweat too hard. I didn't even gas up the generator for that nice. one. Yeah, no, I was out moving it, pushing it around this morning and was like, oh, it's just going to rain in two days. And this is such a waste of everyone's time and energy. But I got to get the car out. So got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Got to do it. Do people up there have those little like canopies over their driveways? Carports? Yeah, I, I see that a lot in Canada. Yeah, I think it's some... more of a Canada thing. Hey, we're not Canada, Benny. Come on. I mean, we're up there. <laughs> Close. But it's, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, to yeah. me, you yeah. know, it's like the I'm never going to visit unless I'm playing a show territory. Right. right. Well, I grew up with a poster. It was, it was an old, 
image that used to be in the New Yorker of like the New Yorker's perspective. And it was like, you know, it had the city and things like that. And right over here, it was like New Jersey and then like China and then like the rest of the world. You just don't, you, <laughs> yeah. you just yeah. don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I make fun of the, you know, the two guys when Gaslight first started, you know, those couple of the guys were living way up in North Jersey. And I was like, guys, I, I'm like, this is like New York state to me. I'm like, I don't know what happens up here, you know? So you, you mentioned Gaslight and it, I think we're what, four, 35 minutes in and that's the first mention. I think we should do a side A, side B of this episode, like a side A, side B, the sports, then the music. Yeah, you guys, you guys take me wherever you need to go. <laughs> I do want to bring up when we did talk to you two years ago. Did you know that were there talks behind the scenes of you guys getting back together? No. Wow. No, honestly, no. You I knew, mean, Benny. You knew. You I held did. it from us. You held I, out so hard. You know, there was a time I was holding out. Like, there was a time between kind of when Brian and I first started talking to like, when shit was going to get like real and like announced that I really didn't tell many people at all. Um, you know, I like my family knew, but not even like my extended family and stuff. Cause I was so terrified of like fucking something up, like right off the bat. I'm like, we're just getting this going. No breaches, no leaks, you know? So I only told people like who needed to know, but I think when I spoke to you guys, it was prior to that. And I think so. you know, at that point, you know, when I reflect on it, there were definitely times in the last seven years where, like, you know, I would have been like, no, we're not fucking playing again, just because of a number of things, you know, um, that that I wouldn't even I would be remiss to get into right now. But like, there would definitely have been times and I think I definitely have told people in that time, like, the guess I can play again. I'm like, probably not. I don't think so. You know, based on, and at the time when it came up, my intuition did feel different. You know, like it, it was like, why not? You know, like this could happen right now. Like, and, and there was even like a very, very small part of me that was like kind of semi expecting the call at that point. Like, I, I do think I had an intuition, like it was gonna lend that way maybe a little bit, but no, I certainly like, like I was really just as surprised um, as anyone to really from A to B, like, like start kickstarting it right off again. You know, do you remember like that, like the actual conversation? Because like in a literal sense, one minute you have that thought process, then like the next minute you're like, well, shit, I think this is happening. Like, do you remember yeah. that convo? I do. Yeah. I was, I, I was out, like I was working out in the yard, you know, um, one thing that's become a big thing for me out here is I love planting trees now. And I'm fucking out in my yard, like planting trees and taking care of them shits like all the time. Um, I got into it, you know, I'm an obsessive, <laughs> yep. I'm a semi obsessive person. And if you take one thing away from me, I got to replace it with something else. And kind of, like, I like getting my hands into it. It's fun. And one thing I, I realized when I got here is, uh, when I moved out to the forest is come like October, November, all this blockage you had to all your neighbors and stuff goes away. And all of a sudden you're very exposed. So I started planting visibility lines. I got I skip that. laurels. I got green giants. I got hemlocks. 
Everything you need up there. Nice, solid visibility trees. So I was actually up there trimming my laurels when, nice. <laughs> when Brian called me. So um, if you weren't a drummer, you'd be an arborist, is what you're saying. Now, being a drummer <laughs> is what led me to be able to move out to the woods. <laughs> nice. So, so I do think it's all interconnected. But I, yeah. But who knows? Maybe it was a second calling. I don't know. It's not too late, you know? No. So yeah, I was trimming my laurels. And uh, I must have been like listening to music on my phone or something. And that's why, or, you know, podcast or something. I don't remember that. Brian called, you know, and that, that part of it wasn't that strange because Brian and I still, you know, fairly regularly talked like through this whole thing. It wasn't like super disjointed. And I don't remember exactly like how he brought it up and in the moment, but you know, he essentially, it was like a funny, like you were talking about, you know, now that I reflect on it, there was a kind of like something wasn't there. And then I'm listening to him talk and I'm like, Oh, I know what this is about. Like, wow. Okay. I love it. You know, like here it comes. Like, like, and, and you know, one, one thing, and this is where, you know, experience and wisdom comes into play. Like me, like 10, 20 years ago, like, I would have found like questions to ask before I said anything. I would have been like, oh, yo, okay. Like, but what about this? What about this? Because that's my inquisitive mind, like to get settled on something, it goes there. But I've realized over the years, like, you know, that comes across sometimes as not being excited. Sometimes you just got to say, fuck yeah. yeah. Yes, agree. Like and, in risk, you like know in what I mean? Business. Yeah. yeah, a little. Like, and, and then just save all that shit for later there's like a time and a place but in that moment like i know brian i know him well and i knew like the kind of stuff he was saying and what he was getting into it's not an easy call to make i could hear it in his voice you know so it's like the last thing i wanted to do is start getting all fucking benny on him and (laughs) and and doing so so i was i was like you know i was like all right this is it and this is something i want like fuck it yes like Yes, that's awesome. Let's do it. And the thing was, too, is like there was really one caveat that I had. And it was just the idea that, like, we got to fucking write music and make records if you want to be a band again. Like, that's it. Like, I don't have disrespect for bands that go out and play their catalogs and enjoy it. Like, yo, that's your life. People love your music. You love playing it. Like, fucking good for you. I'm not like dissing people at all. But as far as Gaslight goes and like what fuels that band and what fuels the kind of people we are, I was like, that was the one thing that was important to me is like, if this whole thing kickstarts again, like we got to do the thing. I Mm want to do the thing, you know, like we got to create stuff. We're good at that. Like, and, and that was obviously like implied in it the the entire time was to to write new record and get into it like that so yeah it was like it was an easy call to make in the moment for sure so there was nothing on the horizon as far as songwriting you guys decided let's do this again and then maybe jumped into it well brian you know when he initially got the idea he went on a little bit of his own journey and he kind of personally challenged himself to write a batch of songs and are these songs like worthy or able to be gaslight songs essentially so he went on that journey and um 
and he did and and so he had these songs already when he called me and that was part of his having to get the confidence to do it was like do i have gaslight songs and the first one i heard was um what turned into the weatherman great song. so you know great fucking song yeah so bry you know he we were like so what do we do now kind of i was like i don't know come to the house like let's let's play <laughs> like let's see what happens you know and he sent me that demo he came over to the house we set up in my basement and kind of jammed through that one a little bit a couple times kicked some ideas around and we weren't down there very long it was but that was enough to just be like yeah like we got got something like worthy like let's let's call the boys you know and that's when it was like news team assemble <laughs> yes yep <laughs> so like that when was that just real quick like when was that call um mm. I wish I wish I was better with dates because this would be a better story, more specific. I mean, it had to be like late, like like the fall, probably like twenty two. Oh, twenty two. Okay, so like... yeah, because we you know we went into the you know studio to do that last winter, so you know it would have been a you know a number of months before that. So it had been where I'm going is like it had been like probably seven years since about that yeah. seven eight so in that time like brian was the gears were spinning for him for you i know you were in other bands were there ever times you're like all right this drum fill is fucking gaslight this beat <laughs> is gaslight any of that because i know like I, I don't know i'm not you but i would think like yeah. it's a big part of your life you would have thought I about do, it you know but like you know i'm a survivor first and gaslight wasn't going and i didn't need it for that i needed it for something else so no not really honestly right on i actually like that i, li I love yeah that like if it was something that i thought was awesome i wanted it to go to the thing i was doing and trying to let people hear and and be awesome again you know yeah yeah so no that wasn't uh on the on the opposite it took me a little while to get used to brian's solo career in that way because like you know, those first couple ones, like it was a little tough. I'd listen to him and I'd be like, that'd be a fucking good gaslight song. So, <laughs> right? You know, like, yeah. holy yeah. shit. Like, uh, I wish I could have got my hands on that one. Like, <laughs> yeah. like get some, get some fucking, get some drums on that thing, you know? Um, but, you know, so that, you know, but then I think that was part of Brian's process was like, by the time he got to like local honey or something, I don't think that sounds like Gaslight at all, you know? Like, I think he really, Agree. over yeah. the years, like, found his voice and, like, and really, like, and, and you know, maybe that's all part of the the natural order of how, how this happened, you know? Well, it, it feels like with History Books, which came out back in October of 23, that you guys didn't really miss a beat as far as what Gaslight sounds like, how to write a song. You know, the the, the vibe from you guys is as good as it's ever been, I think, in our, awesome. our, our estimation. So it was a, a lot of, you know, getting back out, either making the songs or playing them. Was it a lot of rust? To, was there a lot of rust to knock off? Or was it, this is easy, we know what we're doing, we've done this before? Well, definitely not easy. Like, but it wasn't easy back then either, you know? Like, but I do think there was less rust than I thought, honestly. And, and I think because of, you know, what do they say in sports, like off the couch, 
you know, like we weren't off the couch, <laughs> like everybody was busy um, and playing and like still developing like as their own players. So I was actually kind of like pleasantly surprised in the way where I found everyone in my band that got better. You know, like they really That's did. Like point. everybody really cool. can do more stuff and like, and has like this wider range of things to pull from and stuff, including myself. You know, I did a bunch of records in that time. And every time you write a song and every time you put, you know, your gut into it and your head into it, you're going to come away with new ideas and new tricks. I think a lot to being a drummer is having like kind of a bag of tricks. You know, there's especially a rock drummer, I guess, you know, because there's a baseline of what I need to do to carry a song that's similar to a lot of people that have done it before me. You know what I mean? I try to change certain things to make it more unique, but like the certain baselines, there's these chords, same with guitar. You know, you got your riffs, you got your real great chords, certain places you go, but it's like those flares and those places where you can like, put in your own thing fills like you know these weird places where you have some space where you can take from your bag of tricks you know and that's where like the more and more you got in that bag like the more varied and cool and the more options you have when you're writing songs so it's like i think the one thing that was just important to remember and it was on my mind the whole time was like i want to write this as like a few dudes in their forties. Now that was the one thing I was scared of was trying to, you know, make some rehashed version of the 59 sound played right by on. people who can't play that fast anymore. Don't really want to play that fast anymore. Um, you know, and stuff like that. And, and you hear that in the music cause the, the energy won't be right. Like when I recorded the parts of 59 sound, I was on like, you know, two liters of fucking Mountain Dew, and California <laughs> weed. Yep. And I was in my 20s and I was fucking pissing vinegar. Like, couldn't stop me. It was a nut job. You know, I don't feel like that anymore. Like, I want to lean into it like a little bit more. And, and that was important to me. It was like, I wanted to mold, you know, like what we were and what we want to become in a way that was like comfortable, like where we could step out but not step out too far where it would be like unfamiliar to old, you know, to us or, or old fans and stuff, you know? I, I love that answer. Like when you were talking about getting off the couch, I think of Sean Kemp in the NBA lockout. Like you were not Sean Kemp. <laughs> no, in the it NBA wasn't lockout. Kemp in it. Yeah. Or Joe Flacco. You were, Joe, yeah. Yeah. you were, you were dialed. And I think a lot, honestly, a lot of fans, a lot of legacy fans of bands don't truly understand that. Like uh, the first album that they heard of the band, they were teenagers and what they played was the product of that's all they knew. And now you're 15, 20 years, whatever it is into it, your skill sets changed and you don't have to play that fast because you're more skilled, you know, you're more advanced. Yeah, that's true. And it's just like, yeah, I guess there's always the, there's the natural thing too, is if you, you're not writing stuff that doesn't feel good for you, it, it comes off unauthentic, you know? So you got to make sure that you're, you're actually writing something you like, you know? Well, yeah, you're, you're doing, you've got all that life experience in there too. So you're able to pull from that versus being the full amount of Mountain Dew, piss and vinegar, 
<laughs> right. High on the Cali weed, you know. The, yeah. no, I, I don't need that right now. I'm not that person. <laughs> That's right. because, and that person's and, great. I loved him, but he's gone. So. And even beyond music, I mean, lyrically, you know, sometimes, you know, this is turning into a real like storybook in a lot of ways of different chapters of a person, you know. And this is, you know, so clearly a different version of a person wrote history books than wrote Sink or Swim, you know? And I love that. Like, I love that it comes from a real place. So like that real person and their troubles and their thoughts and stuff are actually like coming through on each one, you know? And that's a fun thing to watch just as like, you know, there's no bigger fan of Gaslight than me. And, <laughs> and that's just a cool thing to watch is like, I love the way like Brian's developed the way he writes and what he writes about over the years. It's, it's cool to watch, you know? Well, we love the album. History Books is, Thank we, you. We, we've been chatting about it. it. It made our top albums of the year list. We did one a few weeks ago. We love it. My Appreciate wife's it. favorite band of all time is Gaslight. Oh, I can probably tell by the posters see here. too. Yeah, I see uh, too. Next to Hate, what do I got? Hate Breed? Hate Breed, Rev, Deftones, right. and Stone Age. Yeah. And Crime, yes. Crime and Stereo. That's, that's good. Good that's company. Good company. Yeah. I gotta say, I just listened to Satisfaction as the Death of Desire. <laughs> Like maybe nice. like four or five days ago. Woo! That mm -hmm. record holds up. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, I mean, Steve, Steve, Steve Abbott's, you got as a Beatty, great, you got one of the all time great hardcore records. Shit. Puritan, man, all time. Yeah. Puritan. So that's one of those ones. Like, every, you know, I have to go to the gym now just so I like don't die and I can stay yeah. skinny enough to like <laughs> do my job and stuff. But often, like, I'm listening to Hatebreed or, like, fucking Comeback Kid or Leeway or something. And I think I'm just, like, freaking people out when I'm there. I really do. <laughs> Air drumming. How can you save me? You know? When you can't like, save yourself. Yeah. And they're like, like, what? Holy the shit. Who's this look guy at, with the mustache? Look at that guy in the hip flexor <laughs> machine going crazy. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, but hey, you're there. You're you're just trying to make I'm it happen. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's it's a struggle for me. I don't like. I feel it. that. Yeah. I don't like it there. I didn't grow up playing sports, so I like. I never got like coached up. I don't know how to fucking go to a gym and do the thing. I had to like just poke around and kind of learn myself and self motivate and stuff. And it's like, ugh. I wish I, if it wasn't for that steam room, you wouldn't you wouldn't get me there. That's there the big go. payoff. You wouldn't be on this call tonight if it wasn't for the steam, <laughs> steam room, baby. <laughs> and I've become such an old fuck in there. Like, I used to wonder, like, who is the guy who just lets his fucking shit just like hang out in the locker room? It's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta just let it go. Just oh, let it man. go now. I'm like, you know what? You've seen it. I don't feel like hiding. Towels all the way over there. Jeez. Yeah, right. I'm not running over. I already did my workout. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I get it. Now we get it. There's a guy it. in the sauna without a towel putting water over the over the stones. It's Benny. Yeah, it's Benny. It's Benny. Yeah. <laughs> I got a towel on. Let's just like you know, I'm not, I haven't gone full Euro yet. Yeah. So we saw you on tour for you know before the record came out, but you're playing some of the new songs. How was it playing those new songs out? Did you? Did people? I mean, I felt like our crowd was into it, but our crowd was into the whole show. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um. You know, you always go through that first initial thing, which is like, even though you just like wrote and recorded the song, you know, 
what you did to in the studio is not exactly what you're going to wind up doing live, you know, and certain things kind of take on different feels and, you know, you have to adjust in a lot of ways. So, so we're starting to find the balance of like what songs work in what times and where and why, and based on that reaction, but playing the new songs has been a lot of fun. And it seems like, um, people are very receptive towards it, but I gotta be honest. I'm like more and more like trying not to gauge a show by that, you know, like, because you know, the older we get, and I think maybe sometimes the older our crowds get, you know, some really great shows are not shows that are like super bombastic these days. It's so true. Yeah. You know, um, they used to be like, and there were times I'd be like, shit, like nobody fucking stage dove at this show. Like, were we bad? You know, like, like, there <laughs> what was happened? No, we lost. Like, our there was no pit at this show. Like, did we suck tonight? You know, I remember like playing in Sweden once to this like sold out venue. And I swore if you asked me after, I'd be like, they hated us. I'm like, that was the worst show. I don't know. I right thought on. we played okay, but you know. And then we sold like tons of merch and people are like waiting outside and telling us how great it is. And I'm like, oh, you know, not everyone is a dumb, drunk American who jumps around. Like, <laughs> Confirmed. You know, Confirmed. some people like to watch, you know, and, and then it's different. So I try more to like, like less. I, I, I think I've always been super hyper aware when I play shows. Um, you know, my wife even makes fun of me. She calls me the owl because anywhere she can go in the crowd like i'll find her like on stage and and i'm a little trying to like like that's a little exhausting you know and um and and i'm trying more and more to kind of just like like find the couple people who i really see you know enjoying it in a certain way and connecting with that vibe and 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 that's about it but i don't want to gauge it on this this overall like you know craziness factor anymore well, we saw you fall of 22 in Boston at the MGM and then right. up here in Portland in May of, was it May 2023? Boston show, 5,000 cap. Like when that tour was getting booked, like where was your head at? We like, what the fuck? 5,000, there's no yeah. way we're going to fill that. Or it was like, well, hey, if they want it, like we're, we'll deliver. Like where was your head at? Because like in the old days, you weren't playing 5,000 cap No, rooms. no, no. And my instinct is always like, no, too big, too, too big, big. <laughs> too. No, 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 no. But, you know, especially going into these tours, there was something I kind of had to come to grips with to an extent is like, I don't know. We've heard know. that a lot. We've like, heard that a lot. No one knows. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how big we are. And the people who do know, are the people at this booking agency who take a fucking ton of our money and are supposed to know. And <laughs> this person who's booking the show, who's incurring the expense, who's supposed to know. And if those two like think it's a good idea, like it's supposed to be a good idea. So even though I see that and I'm like, no, 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 like underplay that shit, sell out somewhere smaller. You know what I mean? But then, you know, you'll have a thousand people of then being like hey i didn't get to see your show and and stuff like that so it's always like a weird 
battle with that. But I mean, if um, I think we did, you know, there was obviously like a just came back. So, you know, I think those first shows were maybe a little like more oversized as a result or something. But, you know, the one thing that was really encouraging off the bat is just like, you know, in that seven years we're waiting and stuff like that. I couldn't have told you if Gaslight got like bigger or smaller, if we lost like all our fans, if like we're going to come back and there's just going to be like half the people I, you know, I didn't know. It was kind of pre Spotify metrics, really. Exactly. And yeah. actually I just had that conversation with somebody on the business end of Gaslight today. Cause I'm seeing like numbers from history books, you know, as you know, we talk about fantasy sports. I love statistics and that lends itself to my own band too. So I do read these like really nerdy like reports and shit like that about our numbers. And, you know, like I did notice like, you know, like certain numbers seem like, like more like lukewarm and stuff like than they were. And it's just, we're having this conversation like 10 years ago till now releasing records is literally like a completely different ball game. I mean, I remember even when we were doing like handwritten or something like that, we were waiting on first week numbers. It was huge. Like, where did you chart? You know what I mean? Like, where did you guys chart on this record and stuff like that? I swear I didn't even look fucking once on this record because it's like, oh, is that still a thing? Right. Like, how do you even count it? Nobody buys records anymore. So what do you add? you add up Spotify and iTunes and records and like, it's, it's like a weird artificial number. It's like the steroid era, you know? <laughs> so exactly. Funny. Right. It's so funny. But the barrier to get the record is a lot less now because it's midnight. Yeah. Okay. It's out. I can listen to it if I have a streamer. So yeah. Yeah. And I think people are, you know, now it's like, you know, there's somebody who could have a billion like TikTok streams who couldn't sell 10,000 pieces of vinyl totally yep we can sell ten thousand pieces of vinyl we can't stream a billion times on tiktok we probably draw about the same so it's like i don't know you know and and that's but that's one cool thing i guess about being like old grandfathered into the industry a little Mm -hmm. bit is like i don't have to you know i don't have to make a tiktok video about it (laughs) No, that that would be fun though. If you do it, let us know. We'll we'll follow you. Trust me, the the, the management end has been trying to oh, get I us bet. on TikTok. I bet. Yeah, it's crazy that and we're we're similar age, so we're we put stuff there, but we're both like we're not the people that are on here. So like, right. nobody's really looking for our bullshit. Got to feed the algorithm, you know. Yeah, I guess, yeah. but. That's tough, you know, that, That's what they're like. Oh, you just got to make like one little video a day. I'm like, what am I going to talk about every day? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do, you know? And yeah, so. Well, I like this. I like this topic because that's one thing we were curious about is like, it's been eight, nine years. Like, what's changed? Like, obviously, the streaming landscape has changed. The touring landscape has changed. But like, at the end of the day, when you guys get on stage, has it changed at all? No, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I, no, no, I mean, not, it's mostly not, the same songs, right? I mean, yeah. And even then, like, you know, the, the way we're presenting those songs is, is pretty similar to the way we did it prior. And, 
you know, and I think that's one of the things I'm kind of hanging my hat on these days is like, I think old people spend too much time complaining about like what things are like now and they shouldn't, you know, like there's somebody who's 18 who grew up using digital media and grew up using this stuff who's going to burn through audio programs and be able to do stuff in a beautiful way that like I could never do. I don't want to do. Right. You know, what I want to do is go up on stage with, with five guys who, or girls, like not saying that or five men, please <laughs> yeah, um, right. with five people uh, and, and like, and do what we do. And what's cool is like, if you just like stick to your thing and like do it well and do it authentically and wear it with confidence, like what's cool and what's not cool is eventually going to like bend back to you, I think, you know? And the one thing we can do is like, we can still get up there and be like six people just playing analog instruments together ripping through 20 plus songs doing little things in here that are a little different changing the set every night and you know really trying to be like that and you know i have a weird feeling the longer and longer we keep doing this the less people are going to be doing it and you know so so now i'm really in that mindset of like longevity it's like we just got to keep doing our thing and doing it the way we think is cool because whatever is going on in that world, like, man, I respect it, but shit, that's like, it ain't me, you know? And, and I'm glad it's there and I'm glad it's there for people, but I'm not trying to play that game, you know? Totally. And I mean, the other thing that Anthony, I had this conversation pretty regularly is are you still enjoying doing it yourself? Cause like, <laughs> if you're not enjoying doing it, people can tell, especially with making yeah. art and you gotta be that that's where you lose that authenticity is when you're, up there trying to catch cash a check so and you, right. you guys aren't doing that that's not my point but just generally speaking if you're, you're still having a good time then the rest of it will all shake out and even if if you're not having a good time you better be making something cool yeah you know exactly. like that's where it's like you know some bands are like uh dennis rodman and michael jordan you yeah. know some bands just know they're really good at doing what they do together and then they live their separate lives you know like that. It's fine too, you know. If you got a nice arrangement going on, like, that's a great analogy. Yeah, doesn't work for me. I mean, those guys never talked, right? Famously, didn't yeah. they like never speak? Yeah. No. But then they got on the basketball court and they dominated everybody. That's it. Rodman was in Vegas, and actually, so was Jordan. So maybe they were in the I same know. town, yeah. just they didn't yeah. talk. Uh, they just weren't Jordan, at the same crap. Jordan table. would have never survived the social media age. Oh, ever. God, no. Oh, no. He would have been canceled so many times. This is why LeBron should be president. Well, it's that's a great point about LeBron. We like to, to as Celtics fans, LeBron has been on the other side I'm of it sure. a lot for, for me. Sure. But it, I'm sure. But I, I respect what that guy has been able to do being under the microscope for 20 plus years. Yeah. Like everybody sees his every move forever. And he's the guy. I mean, does he like to be talked about? Sure. But <laughs> that's about the only thing you can say about him. The guy like He's and awesome. that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, yes, the guy you put on Sports Illustrated cover when he was 15, sure, has a slight ego. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to, to be expected. Yeah. Do you think you could, like, carry a team of 11 grown adults on your back to, like, a championship without an ego? You have, you literally have to think you're, 
you have to not think you have to know that you're the best person out there and that happens in music i remember robert plant would talk about that where he said the person you see on stage is like not me that guy is an asshole like that guy thinks <laughs> he's the greatest sexiest fucking best hardest cock in the world and that's how i have to be up there to be the singer of led zeppelin and then you see him on this you know he's like in his country cottage right yeah he's like the sweetest man you can see it you know and you just got to get into character sometimes you know like i remember hearing him on jim rome it had to be 17 18 years ago and Rome was like, you, you take Robert Plant. Like, I, I, this isn't anything that I typically do. I, I talk sports, but he comes on and he was just like the most polite, down to earth, quiet, like soft spoken. Like, yeah, no, I'll tell you some stories off air that will really get you going. It's just yeah, that yeah. type of guy. Oh, but, he's but, the you, but then you see him on stage and he's a different person. Yeah. Oh, literally fucking kosher salami in the pants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw it. I saw a TikTok the other day, and I'm on. T- I'm 40, and I'm on TikTok. You know, Gotta maybe you, maybe Gotta you should it. adapt, Benny. Got to do it. <laughs> but there was this guy. I don't even know the context, but he was talking about most bands that draw today. They're playing in front of people that want to see 20 years ago them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, as a mu- and these guys weren't musicians. They were saying that like that must be a tough pill to swallow, being the musician. If I think about you guys, your new album is amazing. Most bands, 18 years in, whatever it is, don't put out that. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. You know, I don't know what the secret sauce is, but... Well, I, I think there's truth to both. And I mean, that's also like... But even though I appreciate you guys like the new record, but if we charged that for a ticket and people came... And we were like, nah, fuck it. We're not playing 59 sound. We're not playing 45. We're not playing this. People People would be pretty fucking pissed off. And, you know, I think that's like where the balance is, is yeah, we still have something to say. And I'm super stoked that we can still like make relevant music, but there is going to be a certain part of the crowd. Who's like, they're not hardcore fans. Like they're going to be people who do not have six albums. Like, Sometimes I think of myself in this scenario, right? Because there are so few bands that I've actually followed their entire career. I fall in love with albums. And normally the the album I heard your band first is going to be the album I like the most from your band. Forever, in perpetuity. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. And when I go to their show, I'm just, I'm waiting for those songs. And I appreciate it. I'm like, yeah, oh, good. They're making music. Good. Sounds good. I like it. Good. They're not fucking it up, but that's not what I'm here to. <laughs> that's not what I'm it's here to. It's a delicate dance. To. It really is a so, delicate dance. Yeah. So I do think, like, you know, it's easy to stay in your own bubble and get really impressed with yourself and, like, listen to your new album and be like, yo, at minute 315 of this song, when that guitar tone kicks in and stuff like that, it's so sexy. Yeah. And let's just like loop that for like five minutes at the show. And it's like, hey, like most people don't care about guitar tone. Most people people aren't paying attention and they want to hear the song they fell in love with when they were 15 years old. And that's what's going to like get them to. And even though you don't want to like totally pander to people in a way that you're just like a puppet, 
there's also a symbiotic relationship going on. You know what I mean? Like, I want people to enjoy the show they're at. And I'm beyond grateful that I even have songs that are 15 to 20 years old now that people want to fucking still come yeah, here. You know, and like, if people want to hear your old songs, yeah, like, you should probably play them. Yeah. You Definitely. Know? Yeah. It's a service industry to a point, you know, <laughs> <That's> totally, <laughs> like, totally, yeah. like we're artists and all, but you're still buying a fucking ticket. You're buying a ticket to an entertainment event. You know, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll play the fucking 59 sound again. Like, right. no problem. <laughs> like here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point about, you know, falling in love with the record and, and that being kind of the moment in time that you want to be recreated for you live or any of those situations that we've all done it. I think more people are in that camp than anywhere else as music fans. I think the people like Anthony and I who are way more That's right. into everything and, f you know, looking through the liner notes of the new record and listening to right. that, you know, on repeat to get immersed in that world. There aren't as many of those people. It's, it's, and they still exist, you know, mm -hmm. like, and yep. even young people, you know, there are like teenagers and 18 year olds who consume music like this, who are, proper fans who dig in the right way but there's always just going to be people who hear your song in passing and want to go hear that song someone who heard 45 a bunch of times when they were playing nhl hockey totally you know? yeah, exactly <laughs> there's a lot of those out there yeah. lord knows there's there's some random songs that pop on every once in a while i'm like why the fuck do i know this song and why do i know every word i'm like yep. oh madden 06 yep exactly right. i've done that before too yep. yeah so benny uh transition a little bit here my wife gaslight's her favorite band like loves them loves loves them loves you guys she had a question and i'm oh, gonna throw it at you yeah what is your live show ritual oh like prior 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 to the show because i feel like just real quick i feel like i've heard I've heard drummer, I don't know where it was, and I don't know who it was, but they're like, I have to be chewing gum. Like, I have to be chewing gum, I need, or I need water, or I need to listen to headphones before. Like, hmm. you must have a weird quirk. You do the one, <laughs> two, three game time, like the Bulls back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all lock together. Someone gives a motivational speech. The Sage, like Kyrie did, the Sage on stage. <laughs> oh, I don't think that would go well in a Gaslight backstage. No, well, I mean, there's, there's a couple different elements where it's like, you know, drums and the way drums are for a gaslight show are super physical. And as a result, you know, like I have a bunch of kind of nagging physical issues that I'm staving off. I have a torn meniscus. I got a beat rotator cuff. I got nothing between two of the vertebrae in my neck, which like fucks a whole bunch of stuff up. So I'm in like a constant sort of state of like warming up and pain management when I'm on tour. And that's become part of my ritual where like, you know, people are like, what do you do backstage? I'm like, I got a duffel bag with a foam roller, a Theragun, some straps, you know, um, and, and like, it's really important now that I like warm my body up, warm my wrists up and like, but that part of it too is also part of the mental part of it, which is like, I am, I do thrive in routine you know, and starting those things like X amount of time before you're playing and, you know, okay, like the opening band is on, I go and I watch two songs. Then I take 10 minutes to go do this. 
then I band-aid my hands, then I right do on. the next part, then I do this. And like that whole ritual, I guess like takes some of the nerves away from me because if I feel prepared and I don't feel like disjointed, like, oh, I forgot to do this or I didn't do this. Like if I just have all those steps in place, it's easier for me to walk up there and like not be an anxious wreck, you know? So that's definitely part of it. It's changed over the years. I mean, uh, I learned at one point I was like stretching too much. You know, I was literally doing like a yoga routine, like before a show. And I was realized like, oh, we saw I'm... you doing that at, at backstage in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah. 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 I just bring my mats out in the, the alleyway. So like that, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't drink. I think that's like pretty really slows me down like before a show and I just don't enjoy it. Uh, I cut off food usually like two or three hours before a show. Oh, but I do have a ritual now. I always eat a banana before I walk on stage. Potassium, baby. Yep. Pre-show banana. Like when we did the reunion shows in 18, when Gaslight started, I did not drink coffee. Somewhere in our European travels, in my late 20s, I started drinking coffee. Now I'm a fucking coffee, like a nut job with coffee. That's me. And uh, the shows in 18, I was literally bringing iced coffee on stage and like sipping iced coffee, like as Wait, I was, was it like, decaf? No. No, <laughs> no, no, no. What the fuck would I be doing with that? Yeah, that like, that's a waste of time. Oh, yeah, there was a reason. But, you know, I did, I did think I, I found it to like maybe overstimulate, make you a little like jumpy, where like, you know, if it was just the wrong show, like that didn't go well either. So now I cut off caffeine like about 30 minutes before. And that's part of the reason the banana comes into play for that. I mean, we play for two hours, you yeah. know, so it's like, you know, uh, I don't have mom coming in the middle with like orange slices. So <laughs> yeah, here's your PB&J, yeah. here's, yeah. here's your Capri Sun. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> though, I'm, like I wonder if I should have a little like immune boost or something like an hour in, like if it would help, you know. So yeah, there's that stuff. And but then also a lot of times it's like it's kind of out of your control, you know, it's like. Yeah, I want to like get into the show a certain way and I want to like, sure, I'd like to like lie down and like get this vibe. But you know what? Sometimes you're in a venue where six people are in a room with two chairs all fucking day and like one shitter. And it's just like, it's gross and it's not conducive to like, you know, like you said, like burning sage and, you know, getting your lava lamp going and stuff yeah, like Ky- Ky- Kyrie just wouldn't play that. night. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you just got to grin and bear it. I mean, you know, obviously changing like, um, you know, any drummer learns early on that if you're on tour, you know, you do not want to play in the thing that you're going to be wearing for the rest of the day or night or something right. like that. So you need a set of show clothes. I've converted back to shorts. There was a time in Gaslight Anthem's career where I found shorts to look I don't know. I just didn't think it looked cool enough. So I wore black jeans on stage because I thought it looked more rock and roll. Now with these old hips and stuff and get those flexors going, I want some little shorts. I'll show what about a lot wearing of... a jersey? You got to wear a jersey now. Nah. <laughs> I'll send you a Peyton Pritchard one. I... <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. That's I did. I, I used to rock a sleeveless net shirt. 
but I do believe the sleeveless net shirt I used to rock was a Darren Williams. So Oh wow, okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well that's not a great one. <laughs> no, I need so, a Jake yeah. Kidd or a Kenya Martin. They go old school. I got, I got horn. I got a few weird ones. I think my weirdest one Harry is a Mar- Kittles. Probably a Marshawn Brooks is my weirdest one. I was yeah. a believer. I was a believer. <laughs> I thought I thought he was gonna be Kobe. What can I say? <laughs> he was with the Celtics drafted his ass. Yeah. Marshawn Brooks. Yeah. Pick twenty six, I think. I liked him. I liked him. So those are the pre show rituals. We on the podcast have a pre show kind of production meeting to figure out how we want to handle it. And we asked you a question on way back on episode 99 that we've since used a ton. Oh, yeah. Ton. And we call yep. it the Benny Horowitz question. So, wow. What's yeah. that? So the question is, who is the your kind of older sibling band that kind of showed you the way, showed you how to be a professional, whether it be crowd banter or what to do before a show or any of that stuff. So that's the Benny Horowitz question. We ask it of a lot of bands oh, now for I'm about 100 honored. plus episodes. I'm honored. That's nice. Because you said against me. Against me was the band. I got my own segment. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that said, like, hey, this is how, you know, bring someone with you on tour or like, this is how you tune and all that stuff. I remember you were. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they, didn't, they didn't show us. Against me were brutal. Right. Okay. They, they showed you by just like tearing mm-hmm. the fucking stage apart where you're like, you oh go. my God. Yeah. Like, if we don't just go nuts, like, no one's even going to look at us. But no, they were not a hold your hand band against me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. No, not really. <laughs> but like we've asked it. So we had you on an episode 99. Mm-hmm. This episode will probably be 205, 206. Nice. Yeah. 100 episodes. We've asked it. Thank you. We've asked it 30 times. Like, yeah, at least. Yeah. Like Vin- Vinny of the movie life was like newfound glory was our older sibling, uh, band, sibling band. Like yeah. Ryan Rumchaks of uh, Knuckle Puck was like. Who do you say the story so far? Some real friends, the real friends. They, yeah, they were torn with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's a great question. I might steal that from you guys. Steal it? No, <laughs> just, just credit Claudius later. We'll, we'll, <laughs> like I'd was... like to ask you the Benny Horowitz <laughs> question. That would suck uh, if I did that. That would yeah. be yeah, yeah. We could get away with that, but yeah, yeah. I can't get through that. Yeah. <laughs> You can, but it would look like no, you'd look like LeBron. No boy, really. no. no boy, yeah, <laughs> I'm not ready to start being Ricky Henderson yet. You know, <laughs> but yeah. So we we use the the Benny Horowitz question very frequently in our uh, podcast prep, that. and then we talk that. to different band members. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes me feel good. So Benny, we uh, we've gone pretty long here. I know you get kid or kids, so you probably got to tend to, and I do too. <laughs> I'll say this, and I told Tony this, and I said this on the night that we recorded episode 99, that dude is the easiest person to talk to that we've had, and that was at episode 99, and I think I can still say it. Wow. Still got the crown. Like, when we were, when we... Do Tony I get a met, gold jacket? We met... We're going to yeah. send him some. Well, no, we'll send you the Pritchard jersey. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> City edition. Hi. Well, it's funny. We, we, Tony and I were talking earlier today, and I was like, and we had a list of questions, and we typically meet to like review sure. them and refine them. And I'm like, I don't think we have to meet. Like, I feel like we're catching up with an old friend. But the irony is, I've never met you in person. You know? Oh, this is the digital age. I mean, like, have we met? I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. We spent four hey, hours talking now. So I yelled like, your name really loud in Boston. 
Oh, really? Yeah, so maybe we have met. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, That's... Benny Horowitz! <laughs> and everyone around a... me looked. I don't think you know. <laughs> that was a daunting place with how much Red Sox activity was going yeah, on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, he, Anthony's a Yankee <laughs> fan, too. I'm the Sox fan, but... But yeah, it was, it was pretty funny because it was like, I, I think we were the... I don't remember exactly fifth, sixth, like seventh show or something at the early. MGM. Yeah. It was early. And it was a game day. And the venue part of this was like the like, yeah, fuck you. Like, we don't care what you're doing over there. Like the real thing is happening over here. Like the Red Sox, you wow. know, but literally in the backstage was a giant. I mean, I think 10 foot wide more. No, 20 foot wide wall that just spelled out Red Sox in baseballs. Wow, you know, so this oh, is what you know I was what? staring you at. You guys all day. posted this. Yeah. You posted yeah. this online. I remember seeing that. You know, the upside to playing a brand new venue is that you know, there's also like a free pinball machine and you know, lots of nice coffee makers and things like that. You know, well, and it's backed by Red Sox money, so there's some stuff there. They're not spending it on the field, so they got to put it. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. I don't <laughs> know. I got. That's, I got to say, I don't know. I, I think. Uh, I I don't think that. We both have to hate the Dodgers now. I don't even care oh about God. the Red Sox anymore. I know. I feel like everyone that hated the Yankees up until now, like that's how I am looking at the Dodgers. I'm um, like, the new evil I still empire. hate the Yankees. We're, the off, empire. we're off the hook. You dropped, <laughs> you dropped a billion dollars. We're off the hook. You know? Hey, we got Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto is uh, good, oh, I'm not a, great. I'm but... so excited for Soto. I've loved Soto since he was, since he was a rookie. So I'm... I'm I think that's uh, the Soto Judge thing. I think, I think the Dodgers thing has taken a little bit of the sting about how fucking good that's going to be in the lineup. Hey, I like an underdog story. <laughs> I like your I like your Vaughn Grissom pickup though. He's a fucking nice hitter. I, I I'm excited to be looking up at you guys from fourth place because we don't have any pitching and we traded Mookie and yeah. So the Mookie trade I will never get over. Uh, the guy was no, going to be Mr. Red Sox forever. So that was some that was some dumb shit. Very, very dumb shit. <laughs> As I sit here in my Red Sox hat. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh man. Well, Benny, we should get you out of here, man. We've we've taken up enough of your time, but we really uh, appreciate talking with you again. That was fun catching up. We'll we'll do it like we'll do it periodically. Hit me up yeah. again. Another two years, we'll be back. We'll All we'll right. talk about the Nets uh, downfall in depth. <laughs> By two years from now, we'll be back on the upswing. We'll have we'll have Cooper Flag. You might. <laughs> hey. Yeah. That'd be great. There we go. Thank you for listening to Patio Slave. We are at Patio Slave on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places that you can find us on social media. Facebook, Patio Slave Podcast. YouTube, Patio Slave Podcast there. Email us at Podcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to become a supporter, click on the link at the bottom of the episode and give us a dollar, give us five bucks. It keeps the lights on, keeps us going. We really appreciate that stuff. Thank you.